All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres and I'm your host. Our special guest today is Rob Frid. Rob is an ambassador of Athletes for Care. The mission of Athletes for Care is to educate citizens on plant medicine and overall health and wellness through the voices of professional athletes. Rob's journey to medical cannabis began following his career in professional hockey. At a young age, Rob joined a major junior hockey club, hockey club, excuse me, and current 2000 or and, and, uh, the 2016 Memorial Cup champions, the London Knights of Ontario, Canada. A few years later, at the age of 19, young age of 19, he was invited to the St. Louis Blues training camp. Rob retired from minor professional hockey in 2004-2005 season with the Rockford Icehogs, a minor league team for the NHL's Chicago Blackhawks. Canada's favorite sport is a rough one, and the violence, trauma, and injuries take a toll on Rob. He's since been diagnosed with traumatic brain injury, dystonia, which is a neuromuscular disorder, Parkinson's, major depressive disorder, and anxiety diagnosed secondary to chronic pain. Rob is a longtime patient at London Health Sciences Center in Parkwood Hospital in London, Ontario, Canada. Medical cannabis has become a key component to the, in the treatment of these diagnoses and pain management so that Rob can continue to be a voice for the organizations that mean so much to so many. Rob advocates for the immediate removal of fighting in junior hockey and is involved with Boston University Center for Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy, CTE which is a disease that has taken the lives of many high-impact sports athletes, including hockey, football, boxing, soccer, and many more. Rob and many former athletes suffering from the long-term effects of multiple concussions have been using medical cannabis to control and slow down the progression of this degenerative brain disease. Rob, I'm looking forward to this. How are you doing today? I know it's, it's got to be cold up there in London, Ontario, Canada, man. Hi, Miguel. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, no, I'm not in London. I'm uh, about two and a half hours uh, east of London uh, in Toronto. Uh, oh, okay. Right downtown Toronto. And it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cold. Uh, weather's shifting. We just got out of a few days of some heavy rains that were up in the Chicago area. I think uh, got a few great lakes around here. So. We do uh, get the weather, but that's what makes it nice too, right? All the seasons and um, yeah, it's uh, Ontario is a beautiful spot. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks right for having on, me. Yeah. Right on, right on. So Rob, that's, a, that's quite the bio. And you know what? I didn't even use all the material you gave me because there's a lot more to it. So I want to ask you, what age did you actually start playing hockey? And what age do you think you got? Do you think you got your first concussion? And when were you first actually diagnosed with a concussion? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I started hockey uh, like most uh, uh, young Canadians do. It's our national pastime. I was around uh, five, turning six, and just played house league. Uh, <clears throat> I was raised by a single mother, and for the first eight years of my life, until my stepfather David came in to our lives and. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, I just played it, uh, you know, basically for fun and really enjoyed it, but played baseball and other sports, soccer, and uh, yeah, I had a nice, well-rounded, uh, athletic childhood, And uh, but it led me, I, I started getting bigger, stronger uh, in my early teens, and 
you know, I had a couple of good tournaments and their scouts around. And um, so I ended up, I guess, uh, the London Knights, uh, they drafted me in the 10th round, uh, which is fairly late. Uh, maybe some not, not expected to make, make the team. And I had to battle my way uh, through that training camp. And um, I was the last cut my first year and sent down and, and jumped back up uh, through some injuries and then played well enough where I never went back down again. So that's how, my career started and my concussion started. Um, my first recognized one um, was my first training camp in London. You're fighting for jobs. I fought six times, you know, bare knuckles at seven, just turning 17, 16. And, uh, the, you know, fighting a 20-year-old in a right-winger because you're trying to make the team. So yeah. it was uh, a lot of trauma, but a lot of fun. And a lot of, you know, London, Ontario is a great city. Uh, London Knights are one of the best organizations in junior hockey in the world, if not the best. And I'm a proud alumni. Uh, uh, I just love, love the team and the hunters do a great job there. Right on. So it was a long, no, long that was there. perfect. That was perfect. So you think you got one and you think you forgot your first concussion when you were a teenager? Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, uh, yeah, when I was a teenager, but uh, uh, I think that we, you know, we might have all uh, suffered some bumps, you know, when we were younger too, right? And you're sliding in at home plate in baseball or, you know, a check into the boards and, you know, a stinger type thing. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure all of us as kids, but, you know, when you run into the repetitive concussions and multiple concussions, you know, uh, that really started in junior hockey in the Ontario Hockey League for me. Uh, yeah, that's when, you know, things you know, what I've been told now and what I have known for the last several years is that they can leave a long lasting physical effect, uh, which can cause mental issues and mental health issues too, you know, uh, with anxiety and depression, uh, trying to control chronic pain daily. It's not easy, right? So it's, yeah. you get all these sub things that happen in multiple medical conditions when you have a traumatic brain injury. And I'm blessed though that uh, I have proper care and and um, a lot of athletes that I do know and, and have gone through this path, I've seen that maybe didn't have the proper care left this young, right? So I think I'm doing the right thing. And that's, uh, I continue to go for help and, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, battle each day and enjoy each day as it, as it comes, you know. Amen, man. Amen. So how many years did you play hockey for? Yeah, well, it started, you know, when I when I was five, six years old, and then right through um, junior, uh, and I played three years there, and I did, and then um, I ended up with St. Louis Blues at nineteen. Brett uh, Hall was there, Grant Fear, some Chris Pronger, some you know NHL superstars. Yeah, they were big. Eyes. I remember, I, I yeah. recognize those names. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was it was uh, such a wonderful experience for myself. Right after being cut from the junior team in London, my first set, first year being last cut, then recalled, right? And then a couple of years later to be flying into an NHL training camp. So that I have to be proud of myself. It's not easy to do. And Yeah, I, that's and cool. Yeah. And it, I continue to get answering your question. I, I uh, went to school, uh, St. Thomas University, after St. Louis uh, released me. I went, I went down to the minors, uh, um, but I chose to go to school and um, that was a great experience. A couple of years in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Uh, and uh, from there, uh, about eight or nine years uh, in the minor leagues and trying to get back up into an NHL training camp, you know, and, and still 
trying to chase that dream and then having to retire from the amount of, you know, head trauma that I had throughout my entire career from, from junior on, uh, you know, you start losing feeling in your legs and having uh, neurological yeah, issues then you know, it's time to hang up the skates, right? So okay, that's so you... how I retired. I would have kept playing until I couldn't walk. It's just, that's, that's the love I had for the game and still do. <clears throat> I watch stream games, you know, still involved. I've got some friends that are, uh, you know, Eric Crawford, the head scout of uh, the Montreal Canadiens, a professional scout, and he was a centerman of mine, you know, so there's still, we have a lot of friends that are all over still involved. So it's good. The hockey community strong and uh, blessed to have them uh, with you too. But, yeah. Along the journey. That's cool, man. It, yeah. All the different alumni. And, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So you stopped playing, you retired in the 2004, 2005 season. Physical pains had mounted up and what did you do then? I mean, like, what, how did you, like, what did you decide to tackle first or what did you, what, when you retired, what was your, okay, I got to do this next or this is what I got to well, do I, next. I always wanted to, you know, uh, live a normal life after sport, right. And, you know, to, to play professional sports for nearly nine seasons. And, and that, you know, that's a long time battling. And I was an enforcer. I fought, I was always in the top five in the league in majors and fights and that, and, penalty minutes and but also played the game too right and could contribute offensively and um so it was a very it was a great time in my life but you, after retirement you know you're 29 you know that's when it happened for me uh, you know during I came out of retirement at 29 went to Rockford after I retired in Texas so you still get that itch you want to it's hard to get it out of your system right because yeah. all the you know your teammates and you, you the will to win and and it's just, it's hard to just stop. But some people have difficult time transitioning. And I thought, you know, I was having a difficult time, but I was able to, you know, move up the ladder. And I decided to go help my uncle out. I was driving a big, heavy transport and then got in. I wanted to get involved with the community again. So I got into the transit uh, in London and drove city bus for seven years, sick. Um, <clears throat> I would come home after my shift and get into all kinds of, muscle spasms and, you know, feel vomiting, uh, nauseous all the time, right? It was it was me trying to figure out, okay, what's going on and trying to cope with chronic pain and not having, you know, the care where I was supposed to have it at or could have used it at at that time, right? It was tough, but um, you end up losing your work when you, you become physically disabled. Things get start getting taken away, relationships end. Like, uh, but yeah, it... it it can get dark for patients, and I was involved with, uh, you know, a group at Parkway Hospital uh, um, and, and London Health Sciences Center with other patients with Crohn's and, and all kinds of different, uh, you know, from transplants and uh, coming back and getting sick and just all of us were chronically ill with multiple medical conditions, and that's what I've ha I have. It's uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's good. Uh, I, I couldn't continue to work in the open labor market at that pace uh, just because uh, you know and but I think I shocked some doctors too uh, Miguel too because uh, you know I know I did with Dr. Tony Etsy he's our lead pain psychologist at LHSC and um, he was shocked that I was able to work that long and in that you know being a driver and looking after you know but that's just the way I was when I was an enforcer too it was embedded in me 
it still is today, but now I just have to look for other ways, you know, and it, it's been a long battle. Uh, but um, yeah, there's opportunities in the cannabis space too, and we can talk about that. And it's just, yeah, life, life's, I take it each day as it comes. It's not easy, right? You're in a lot of pain that doesn't change, right? And, but people change around you and more understanding, more love. Uh, you know, it's just, it's good. You're connecting with people that, you know, are opening up now that have been back where I was years ago, you know, and uh, seeing them get help. And it, it, uh, it, you know, we have to all keep going and be a voice and continue to help, help others that are suffering, right? And feel better. So it's good. So Canada, I agree, man. I agree. And I heard you say the cannabis and that's why I was going to, what's that? I just say, I, you know, I run with my sentences, but it's a lot of info. Oh no. Hey, no, 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 Rob, Rob, it's, it's all good, man. It's all good. I was going to, now, if I recall correctly, Canada, Canada legalized in 2016, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. I've I've had my medical license since 2009. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But they and, just uh, legalized it, uh, obviously, recreationally. So that was so recreational in 16. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people are benefiting that, you know, have battled with conditions that aren't taking pharma and and um, more natural care, right? And now starting to understand the plant medicinally and naturally, and it's a better treatment than a Tylenol, you know? And so there, there's a lot going on, man, uh, in the rec side and the medical side, you're all it's all blending and I'm right here in the Mecca in Toronto, you know, watching it and I'm seeing out the dog park and people walking and birding using their whatever method they are that's helping them. Right. So it's great. It's great. It's good to see. It's an eye opener. It's things have changed and, but we're seeing it. It's spread. The love spread down in the U S and a lot of medical patients are getting benefits. It's not happening as fast as it should be. Uh, um, working and trying. I've, I've been talking with a group in Mexico in El Capoco and the, and studying the Mexican market right now too. And it's going to be one of the biggest in the world, right? And yeah. uh, it's good. Um, yeah, uh, you, you're you're half uh, Mexican, right? So I am. Yeah, third generation yeah. on my dad's side. Yeah, nice. You guys are all growers and, <laughs> and, and yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. You, you know, you know I love it. Mexican's one of my favorite. I've been, I, I, it's a beautiful country, man. And, and, uh, I, I hope, I hope, you know, I, I've seen the headlines about Mexico, uh, being one of the, if not the biggest, one of the biggest markets in the world. Yeah. Um, I hope that's true. You know, I, I think that I do hope it's true. I know that with the oil and petroleum industry, <laughs> they didn't handle that so well. No, <laughs> they had a no, problem. No. You know, they were, they were they were importing more than they're. They, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to go into the details of that. I hope they do it well. I just put it like that. I hope they do it well. And I hope you have good success over there, man, because it is a yeah, beautiful to me, I, I think just if I, when I look at it, I just more people will grow and share and, you know, just traveling and you know, all, all the different, uh, with the tourism and, and things in the cannabis market that I think it just brings and connects people together. Right. And it's nice. It's, uh, um, so I think that's where I look at it. Where the next, that's where I think the Mexican market will do, it will be amazing. Right. And then I, I'd love to travel there someday and see, see the country. I, I heard it's beautiful, you know, it is man. It's warm. I grew up in Michigan and we were talking a little yeah. bit before we hit record on this. I grew up in Michigan and, and uh, 
I'm just not one of those people that's built. I mean, I can handle the cold, but but when it's cold, when it's like gray or cloudy, that's what gets me, man. That's what got me about mid Michigan was that it's just gray. Like you wake up and it's dark and you get back home from work or school and it's dark. You might see a little glimpse of the sunrise of the sunset, but that's it. I'm vitamin D deficient too. I see a hormone specialist, Dr. Larry Comer. He's got uh, the Brain Institute, the Comer Brain Institute in Burlington. Um, he's a former uh, lacrosse, pro lacrosse team doctor, physician, and uh, gynecologist, right? So hormones and concussions, and he's done some breakthrough uh, science too on how we're all depleted in our in our hormones, right? And um, it's it's essential. It's essential. I could have had play into a seizure I had a few years ago that might have led to my heart getting out of sync and then causing my heart failure. But um, they think I, I could have been born or developed an irregular rhythm too, right? Uh, but yeah, anyways, let's go on. No, that's I'm cool. Because I'm Robbie, in a lot of pain now too. So we got to refocus. Now, Rob, you've been you've been through a lot, and that's the whole point of all yeah. this. So don't don't feel yeah, bad yeah. about any of it, man. But yeah. I do want to I do want to ask you this: in two thousand nine, yeah, what what was it that made you go? You know what? Maybe I'll give cannabis a try. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people, I, I mean, oh, I yeah. have family members and friends. I, I was I was I was drinking. I was fighting alcohol. I was okay. basically trying to kill myself. Right? I was in that extreme of pain. Right? So. It's, I started, yeah, calling my buddy that was, you know, that had access to the flower. And then I, I, I just sat in, in my shed, you know, battling whether I wanted to live and knowing that my one-year-old daughter, Tegan, was upstairs and my family up in the house, right? So I lived some dark days. And, and so cannabis helped me get out of those dark days, too. So it's, uh, I learned a lot about the plant just then and there. I, I knew about it years prior, obviously, right? But um, never at the medical level that so in 09 they didn't even know much about it at Parkwood Hospital in, in the in our outpatients uh, uh, it's uh, it's a chronic pain with traumatic brain injury clinic so a lot of uh, vet, um, um, car accidents and things like that victims and things and just different head trauma is associated with pain right and yeah um, so um that the we went through the dr Tiesel, his name is robert Tiesel. we went through the paperwork together and um since then yeah i've been included in some studies at western university uh in london i've spoken here at the university of toronto uh in cannabis in uh in medicine back in 2018 um so it's good my story can help and and I'll, I'll continue. I'm going to ramp it up. It's just, I got sick again, right? It's just consistently, uh, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough to, to, but COVID locked us all in too, right? But I would have kept traveling and, and speaking and engaging and spreading the message because it's important, right? It saved my life. So it, it's, yeah, why why not talk about it, right? <laughs> you know what, man? There's there's something that I'm noticing about you right now, Rob, that, that is impressive and that is this the choice to not go down but to go up even in the face of all that chronic pain and in the face of the stigma that comes with cannabis that helps you in the face of all that man i just hear and see a really positive and optimistic person in the face of all that you know all that is there and 
you still are choosing. Are doing enough to, there's so much to it. You know that, Miguel. It's right. Uh, they don't. When people get sick, they you know it's 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 hard. We see it in the streets. Yeah, there's there's not enough programs. There's not enough there's funding. Everything right. It's fucking brutal. Sorry, my yeah. I know we're not taping right now, but yeah. no, we're taping right now. We're recording, but that's all right. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, Rob, it's good, man. Don't worry. So, uh, yeah. So, so um, you got a you have you've had your card since two thousand nine, and yep. and what are you doing now? You're 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 an ambassador for athletes of care, athletes for care. Talk yeah. to me about that. I mean, yeah, I you, you yeah. said you did some speaking before that, but uh, what what do you have ramped up? What do you what do you have uh, on deck? For the end of 2021 and 2022, is you guys got anything lined up as travel seems to be opening, but with some restrictions and stuff like that? No, uh, Athletes for Care, it's a group I got involved back with, I'd say 2014, 15, but even a little bit prior and even goes into my pro career um, with, with a gentleman named Riley Cote. Um, he's the co-founder of Athletes for Care. Riley and I fought uh, down in the minors before he got called up to the NHL. And um, yeah, we fought twice and uh, we never spoke for years. And then he read my story one last night in the Globe and Mail, our national newspaper here in Toronto in 2016. So you, you, wrote a, you wrote an article called One Last Fight? For- yeah, with NHL writer, uh, elite Toronto Maple Leafs writer, James Myrtle. Um, you can look it up online. It's called One Last Fight. Um, in the Globe and Mail, uh, um, just under my name with Robert Brigg. And that story, I met James, uh, and I was struggling. I was in and out of the hospital, and we just started connecting as uh, as kind of friends and chatted. And, um, we, yeah, we became friends and started meeting for lunch. And, and uh, over the course of a couple of years, right, and as I, he interviewed um, my doctor, uh, uh, my pain psychologist at LHSC, all my doctors, and and um, uh, Gary Agnew, uh, my coach of the London Knights, he interviewed too, and uh, even the league president of the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, so it, it reached a lot of people, uh, um, that story. And it, it was just, I, I wasn't looking for my name to get out there or anything like that. It was, it was uh, basically sharing my story and how close I have been to, I believe, passing away too and taking my own life at certain times. and. We've seen that with many enforcers too in the game of hockey, right? And uh, and uh, so it, it, it was good. Right? There was a discussion about chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And back in 2011, I donated my brain to Boston University. And um, I didn't have a lot of support by my immediate family at that time. They thought, you know, why, Robbie? You know, you, you're fine. You know, it's, uh, but I, I just, yeah, I, I it was hard. They couldn't see a lot of the pain I was having and different things. And I wasn't in proper care then. Gee, so that story was all based in there to really show, you know, parents you, to, to, you know, be careful and manage your children's concussions properly. But that's including the coaches and uh, the organizations and everybody involved, right? Because long-term effects are nasty and can kill, right? So, yeah, chronic traumatic encephalopathy is real. Um, uh, there is no test for it until post-mortem. Um, oh, really? I've had all kinds yeah. of MRIs and tests in California and here in Toronto currently. And, and um, it's still a very difficult thing to diagnose while living, right? 
Um, but it can it's it, it can cause chronic pain. It can cause neurological. It can cause depression. It can cause everything. Right. So I don't believe that it's the killer too that everybody and, and fans and people and some scientists are thinking too because if you manage all those symptoms and things that you're having, you can still live a quality of life. I'm doing it right now. And as you leading to the end of your question, I know it's a long answer, Miguel, but uh, yeah, I, I want to uh, build a grow kit and, and get it to people too, to give them the proper growing essentials to grow their own plant medicine right at home too, right? And I, I did a grow last year and really enjoyed it. It worked out amazing. I, I even did some extraction and did some baking. And, and uh, when I was having some major problems with my dystonia and my legs locking and cramping, I I, I, I baked uh, some cookies and ended up having that in the tea at night and slept great and got through the night, right? Where prior I was throwing up and different things too. So cannabis really helps me with nausea. And and I think uh, that's the education that I brought to along this journey. And, um, you know, speaking at the University in Toronto and up against, you know, scientists and, and I didn't belong in there and had all these students, you know, and and uh, but I did belong in there. But what I'm saying, I was very honored to speak to all these engineering and, and uh, medical students, and they're all engaged in the plant and just sharing, you know, how it helps when you not feel sick. And when you're not feeling sick, you can start functioning. And there's all different other components to my care and what I do, right? And 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 some of it includes my dog Jeremy, right, and getting out on on scheduled hikes and, and you know that companionship. But in the winter, him you know, walking close to me too, because sometimes I, I can go down if I have a, a problem, right? And so he's there. So it's good. It's good. It's uh, like, like it, it is good. Uh, you can manage all this. So CTE is, I don't believe, as scary as it looks, but it is when you're not seeking help. And we've seen that with former military veterans. And I've done work with them too, along with Dr. Barbara Mainville and, and, and connected with a lot of vets. Uh, all over Canada that are using cannabis and using it for PTSD and all kinds of things, right? So um, it, it's amazing to see the similarities yes. in, in, in us too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Being itself. Yeah. Know, yeah. Isn't so, that amazing? It, it, that, that needs to be looked at more, right? And is it? Because sometimes maybe, I don't know, you've been maybe around some loud bombs and, 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 uh, rounds and stuff have you like uh you know compared to maybe me getting hit too many times into the board right with my head like it's still trauma maybe the, the sound trauma they're saying now the barriers are dangerous too and can affect the brain so maybe that over a long period of time it, it, there is a physical component to cte right which i think dr ann mckee you know and a lot of uh um, neuropathologists are studying right now at Boston University here in Toronto, all over uh, in California, all over the world, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a hot topic. Yeah, so, and if you want to learn more, there's so much info and it's good to stay on top of it, but it's needs to be shared and needs to be funded too, right? Like it's they got to study a million brains or more. Like it's just going to take a long time. Yeah. So you're having some success. You're having great success with athletes for care and and getting out and helping people with education. Yeah, that's and, getting the word out into the community, not just about cannabis, but uh, other components to healing and and uh, holistic. You know, um, we support um, 
um, you know, uh, psilocybin right now and a lot of uh, the, the mushrooms working for depression and PTSD. I don't know if you saw the Newsweek uh, front cover there just a few weeks ago. They had uh, the old one said, uh, um, the old front cover of Newsweek said, depression, new drug, Prozac, and then the new one had uh, mushrooms, right? So that's where we're at it, and then the science uh, is, is just amazing. Uh, and that's another thing that I would study medically too uh, for, for a lot of natural treatment for depression and anxiety and chronic pain. And yeah, it's, I've got a lot, a lot of, a lot of, I don't currently microdose mushrooms, psilocybin, but uh, a lot of athletes are right now here in Canada and, and beyond all over the world and having um, amazing benefits. And that Riley Cote, our co-founder, is now working with another um, uh, former NHL player, Dan Carcillo. And Carcillo has been featured on, um, I don't know, a, a few of the, the New York Times and different things on his, what he's doing with Wake, it's called. They're, they're, they're pushing and working with the U.S. government to bring mushrooms over here to study right now. And some are using them legally, illegally. I don't know. It's, uh, but they're alive and healing. So there's a lot of power. I think that the good Lord has given us the ability to, yeah, take natural things from our land to heal like that with the cannabis mushrooms. What else lays out there naturally that we don't know of yet, right? right. Um, maybe we do. We just don't, you know, talk about it as much, you know, they're using ayahuasca in Peru and yeah. um, a lot of these native and uh, um, tribal uh, cultures have, they're, they're starting to share their medicine too, right? And so it, it's amazing how, how things are developing on that front because I, I think it's better than all the pharma, right? Pharmaceuticals have their place. Maybe I agree. Them, they do. Yeah. I think they do have their place. And I think, and I'm sure you've benefited from some of the things that they've done for you, but yeah. not all of them. Yeah. You're, oh, I'm, for sure. Not all right? of them. And then you got to manage side effects. And, yeah. you know, it's, I'm going to be on some hard meds for the next six months, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, they're helping me, right? I was 48 hours from death. My cardiologist said uh, about four and a half months ago, right? Um, my heart went into complete heart failure. I thought I was having an allergy to the cat that my daughter and I saved no kidding. before we moved to Toronto, I couldn't breathe. And then I went over and the doctor uh, basically said, I'm calling an emergency right now. We've got to get you in. And I was like, wow. So, and then, yeah, over the course of the next three months, I just kept, they gave me some meds and I just, I, I, I prayed each night and uh, <laughs> I just, I prayed, I walked, I, I just, I pushed myself one block to two blocks to three blocks and, but then I've had to back off a bit and I'm on a medication that causes some weight gain and you know, lethargic and being tired, more chronic fatigue. And so now they're, they're splitting the meds up. So it's, a, it's always a, a management, but you just have to keep going and it's good. I'm alive. So I'm having a good time. Right? Like I said, so, man, your, your outlook, your, you know, when they say, Oh, you got a good spirit or something like that. You, you got high spirits, man. And that, and that's what I just can't, help but noticing you rob is i mean you got some serious physical things going on but man you yeah. have a great spirit right now man it's like yeah. and and it's it's cool to hear man Thank you. cool yeah that means a lot but so, it, it's it's from it's it's good people like yourself you know reaching out and i get excited to, to learn about you and you know you you, you you see you know the word cannabis in any type of uh religion right it's a uh, 
I don't know. I, I was very blessed um, going to a Catholic university, and I, I was born Protestant, and I, I, you know, I had friends that were Catholic growing up, and but I didn't look at. I always looked at religion as just, you know, we all got to love each other. It was just, I had this sense of community when I was involved and I was blessed. The one thing I did get out of university, I, the New York Islanders kind of came calling and I, I ended up signing a, uh, a minor league contract. I left school a year early, but I was a minor in religious studies and learned a lot. And to come back now and, you know, wanting to learn more about Christianity and cannabis and there's some uh, there's some religions out there and different followings that are still anti with the plant and very stigmatized and looked poorly upon, right? And wow, that, that I, I just hope the good Lord continues to speak and changes um, the way people look at it because it is medicine all the way, right? It's I, I would be around, I'd be sick, I'd be bothered. It's a part of creation. Be, it's just yeah, it's yeah, you're right. So- so, hey, man, so I heard you say you grew up as a Protestant, right, in Canada? Yeah, I just, I, we had a Protestant church. It was just, I was Christian. Um, I went to the Salvation Army every Sunday, some Sundays, too, uh, on, on a bus. My mom would just throw me on, and I, I'd be gone. And, and it was just, you know, a Salvation Army church here was just basically like an open, anybody could come, right? It was, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't full service. It was just. The programs I was was with the kids and doing fun things and good things and obviously you know um, learning more about Easter and the true meaning of Christmas and Thanksgiving and not all about presents, man. And you know what I mean. And I do. I know. What you was mean. Good. Yeah. It was good. I've always had the Lord in my heart. It's been tough. I had my mother was taken away from me at, at the age of uh, fifteen, right? And my mom was only thirty-one. My younger brother Andrew was only two years old at the time and she passed away from cancer it was sudden um it it tore me apart right but then you know the London Knights come calling and I get involved with the family there and end up playing three great years and meeting a lot of good friends and but it has been a hard journey it's not easy right it's uh you know it's not family is everything to me and it's I'm very blessed I've got beautiful daughter Tegan um um she she's amazing she's amazing top of her class and just yeah smart and just beautiful and uh, not playing contact sports <laughs> so you know uh, not that i'm against it fully <laughs> i know what you mean but i, I bet you i saw that smile that put on your face when you said it and that's 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 peace of mind right there man that's peace of mind yeah well it's i love her that much and you know it's good uh, i see her every other weekend sometimes i not well enough to just travel and go get her, but we have such a strong relationship because she's known me. I've been sick our entire life together, right? So, yeah. it, it, you know, I've been very open to, you know, with her about, um, she knows how I feel, right? And she knows my limitations, but she she knows, uh, you know, uh, just how to be a great kid and have fun and we laugh and it's good, it's good. She's in, going to my old high school, time flies. No I'll kidding. Go she's going to the same school high school you went to. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Did you say she's going to yeah. the same high school? You Wow. Yeah, as, as all of us London Knights, we went to the same school. That's where I met my my ex-wife, Tegan's uh, mother. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how you know, just, I, I, time can just go by so quickly, right? And you, you could probably associate that with your kids, how they grow fast. And, yeah, man. <clears throat> I know what right? you mean. 
we just have to enjoy life each day and yeah we're blessed and it's uh, got a new friend in you and it's it's great uh, uh i want to learn more about your journey and and uh you know we'll, we'll continue to keep sharing and it's good. It's good. Yeah. You, you want to ask me something? You want to ask me something? I kind of think you might want to ask me something, Rob. What do you think? If you don't, that's cool, man. We'll keep going. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, let's talk about, you know, uh, maybe uh, in Florida, you know, and uh, your family and, um, you know, you used to use cannabis openly uh, in the community, or is it still, you know, kind of frowned upon? In, in the south compared to here because legalization is coming there kind of uh, on the recreational side you're a medical patient yeah I presume, so yeah i am you yeah. still have those kind of you know uh, the stigma sometimes where i consume or how do you consume do you combust it do you use oils do you use tinctures yeah those are kind of my questions the yeah. social part of cannabis you know with your family and acceptance and and or they're not accepting or whatever or you know what I mean. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Kind of the Florida landscape too. So this the I think the stigma is still very pronounced in the states and people are I think you know I'm this here's the way I view it man it's like alcohol was illegal in the 20th century and. I'm sure that there was a major stigma attached to it when the prohibition of it ended, right? But here we are, 2021, probably about a close to 100. I'm not sure exactly when prohibition ended, but around the 20s, I think, somewhere around there, roaring 20s. And we're going through something similar again. And you know who you know who said something that really made me think? I was like, well, that was really well said. It was, it was Dr. Barbara Mainville. She said that if this were something that, if cannabis was something that was just discovered, and they said it can do X, Y, and Z for you. It'd be just like the acai berry from, I think, Brazil or something like that, right? It'd be like, we just found this thing in this remote part of the world. And, and it, it is an amazing thing because it has all these positive attributes to it. Instead, she's like, it's, hard, it's easier to do that than it is to roll back a stigma on something like cannabis. But I do think it's happening. I do think it's happening. Um, it's funny. Uh, here in Florida, <clears throat> I work out at a gym that's right next to a dispensary. It's how I found the gym, actually. And uh, and I asked them, I was like, yeah, you guys, you guys, do you ever do anything with that place over there? And they're like, no. <laughs> and I was just like, why not? You're next door to it. You know, the people going over there, I see a lot of a lot of people that look like they could use some some physical fitness. Yeah. And I see a lot of people that that uh look like they could use some physical fitness you know what i mean it's like that is it it's like and that's why i i don't use cannabis just to you know sometimes i do it just to lounge no doubt about it especially with my wife at the end of the day we're going to hang out at night after we put the kids to get the kids to bed and and that's our time and and that's nice it is really nice and uh it for recovery well, well, yes, training. that's where I'm going with that, man. Pushing that's why I'm through. So even maybe through where you would have more inflammation from maybe some prior injuries and things and being able to, wow, go on. Maybe. Yeah, man. Yeah. Am I right there? No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Because because my right. exercising was getting painful. I was like, I should not. 
and I've had injuries, of course. I've I've done competitions and I've and yeah. I've done in the military for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like and it's like, it's like you start exercising, you're like, dang, I should not. This should not hurt so bad. And you're kind of like, why is that happening? So it does help with recovery far more than alcohol yeah. could, you know. And and that's the funny thing is that it was. Uh, we were, uh, we had a uh, Virginia had before we left Virginia there, we, we had, uh, some folks working on our house and, uh, they were talking about it and she had a, she had a medical card and I was like, Oh, wow, that's cool. And we were talking about it and the work that these two ladies were doing was hard work. And this woman said, I can do all this work, use this tonight and do all this work tomorrow. Yep. And the other, the other one didn't smoke. The other one just drank. And she was like, I couldn't do that with alcohol. And I was like, yep. that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And these are people, these are, what's that? Just very dehydrating. Yeah. It's dehydrating. It, 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 it's all really. <laughs> when we that? really truly look at it, alcohol is ethanol, and that's what we run our cars on. And that's what, you know, society you know as a whole is you know i still think there, there's major trouble with obviously alcohol and uh yeah i i still drink i don't drink nearly as much as i used to especially during the pandemic that was yeah. during the during the lockdown in the states in 2020 that was when i that was when i was like okay i cannot keep going in this direction i i it was, it was, it was affecting our relationship is affecting everything. Right. But there was more than just the alcohol is everything that's going around and, you know, it's internal and external stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, Oh man, <laughs> you got me rambling. I forgot where I was going. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were talking, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about the Florida landscape. That's right. Yeah, that's right. We were talking about the Florida landscape and, uh, and that, and that was kind of interesting is because, oh yeah, the stigma. So the stigma, and that's where I'm kind of like, you know, people know it's all legal. They see the stores. And I've interviewed people for this podcast that when we were done recording, they're like, oh yeah, I use C- my, I got CBD stuff from my dog. And, and, and then, so even during a podcast recording for Conversation Cannabis and Christianity, some people are still not wanting to say, yes, we use some type of hemp or cannabis product, right? So that stigma is still real. And then there's the opposite end of that. And there's, there's folks that, that, are, that are very much like you. They're like, hey, I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that inside me, I needed some help. And this yeah. plant actually helps. And now yeah. the research is rolling out. A lot of research is definitely rolling out to demonstrate that. Yeah. And it's still being demonstrated because it's such a dynamic plant. I mean, it really yeah, is. And I, I think, yeah, and it, even when it goes back to what I was talking about, it helping me with nauseation, right? Just being nauseated. Um, I think that's why it works so well with cancer. I don't think that there's a strain out there that can cure cancer, but maybe, you know, but at the end of the day, when you're going through chemo and radiation and, and, and uh, you know, conventional treatments for cancer and then, implementing with cannabis it's helping you know the patient from you not throwing up and being that ill it's giving the patient a fighting chance to get strong enough to fight the cancer right so i think it's just 
it's got such a, a strong play with some debilitating and de deadly diseases, right? Like like cancer and all kinds of other ones out there. But um, yeah, it's more has to be done. And I don't know, my good friend Riley Cote, he always, when we get engaged about sometimes conversations with alcohol and cannabis, he, he says that we shouldn't even speak about them both in the same breath because one's medicine and one's not, right? So it, it, there is that big stigma that we have to continue to, to fight and, and share that with people that know it's medicine 100%. And uh, Florida's getting there. You guys are, you know, I've been following, I, we're connected, Dr. Herbe uh, uh, Domus, uh, uh, Buffalo Bills uh, alumni. He's in Miami and okay. he's got his own clinic down there. Um, okay. I'll have to connect to you. And uh, yeah, he's a, a wonderful man. And, and he's been, he's, he works with the NFL and, uh, you know, on, on, I think with the study of uh, studying chronic pain and, and cannabis and um, yeah, it's uh, Florida is coming and it's, uh, if not, the Canadian snowbirds are going to just bring their medicine, right? And, <laughs> and, and, yeah, I'll come down and bring you, bring you some. No, but uh, yeah. the medical side, the medical side's open in Florida. The recreational side is not. That's right. The medical side is, yeah. Yeah, and I just interviewed somebody yesterday. His episode will come out next week, and uh, he's doing a thing with uh, infused water, but he's no. not using cannabis yet. And I asked him, I was like, "Hey, uh, what about?" Because this is when this is how we we even came to do the episode. I was like, "Are you going to try cannabis?" And he said, "Not until it's not until it's legal." So, he, yeah. like, when I ask people about if they're going to work in the industry, in some type of entrepreneurial aspect of it small business, whatever. A lot of people are like, not until it's legal. They don't even want to touch the medical side. Some people just, and that's just the folks that I've talked to. Yeah. And that's yeah, no, it's for sure. For sure. It's, uh, I've got a lot of friends that are in the industry and people that I've met at, that have, you know, uh, giant licensed producers here in Ontario. And it's right. still, there's a lot of, it's, it can be risky, uh, but I don't know if they're, there, you should see the dispensaries downtown Toronto. They're lined up out the door, and um, it's legal for us to grow up to four plants here, right? And yeah. um, that's uh, California and Colorado can, I think, even grow there, right? Yeah, uh, they can. And we're going to see that more and more. That's the industry that I'm going to get involved in uh, with the kits and just giving people the ability to grow, grow affordable medicine and not have uh, access problems or uh, and then. Uh, being able to sustain medicine and not running out and the cost of, of growing our own compared to what the government is charging here in Canada for our medicine is about 50 cents per gram us growing compared to up to we've seen it up to $19 a gram here but prices are dropping now that there's a little bit more competition but there's such a huge gap between uh, the cost of growing our own and and buying and you get the, the gardening there, you know, Dr. Mainville and I share that together too, just about the Zen, about growing and getting on a schedule as a patient, getting up watering and um, trimming and uh, doing some great things right inside your own home. And it's got a ventilation system. It doesn't smell at all. It takes the traditional cannabis smell away. It, it's the science has come now, right? Where it, it makes it very easy. So, and then you can get into strain specifics and start testing and growing as a patient, what strain works best for you instead of going out there and, and so you obviously can't afford it. It's just uh, the average patient can't, right? But growing, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be big. So that's what I'm 
we're going to get into, and, and that's uh, I'm blessed to be able to do that uh, shortly, and we're going to continue um, to keep, yeah, just educating people on how easy it is to actually grow your own medicine, right? So it's great. Yeah, that's going to happen in Florida, I guarantee it, at some point. So and I'll be able to get you a kit, and then we'll be able to actually mail our strains right here in Canada. I could mail a friend 30 grams of cannabis for free. As long as I don't charge him anything, I can go to Canada Post, bring down a sack, 30 grams, and, and send it airmail right to him next day. And it's completely legal. Right. right? So that's amazing. If I've got a friend yeah. that's sick and, and, and obviously, you know, doesn't have the access and things, so, uh, yeah, it's just that's what the government's given us the ability to do that. So it's kind of opened up the market too for small businesses and and i want to be able to build that grow kit to offer to a patient and then once that patient maybe shares that news at church right <laughs> and helping other church members about um you know uh, growing and and taking care of ourselves naturally versus uh, you know maybe some too long they've been taking pharmaceuticals that are having liver and kidney issues yeah different other organs and need to right so yeah the conversation is there and I, I want to try to build a platform where uh, somebody else would benefit from selling a kit to somebody else, right? And just um, helping each other, right? And spreading the love, and and it, it's great. And I'm glad that we met. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I just yeah, I look forward to connecting more together uh, along this journey. And well, Sherry, too, I wanted to thank her for. Uh, uh, for connecting us yeah right. sherry sherry bennett with let's talk cannabis she's she's a she's really amazing, yeah. cool human yeah. being yeah yeah she she's she's i met her a few years ago and she's always been a, a great voice for patients and uh um she's run a lot of uh unique and uh, uh some very intriguing educational seminars too uh here at bayview club so yeah i look up uh, uh lot of her is what she's doing to keep in touch with her amazing i'm going to continue so hey man let me ask you this i heard you say this um you still go to church oh it's uh i'm just yeah, online actually it's uh i do there's a few services that i follow and some some well, it just depends on how i'm feeling in that right but yeah the lord lives in my heart i have a mobility issue so it makes things a bit okay. different and uh yeah, my days are scheduled around, you know, movement and getting out with Charlie and on certain periods. And yeah, and then, it, it, you know, it just it keeps me from seizing up and running into problems at night so I can get some sleep. Right. So it's just a man. I'm in a, in a whole different world of, of functioning. Right. But uh, it, it works for me and uh, it, it has for a while now. Right. So it's good. Right. on, man. What is your what is your. What is your observation of how churches in Canada and your area are responding or reacting to the cannabis medicinal and recreational in Canada? It's a good question. It's, uh, I think at the most part, medically, the churches are looking at it as medicine. You know, it's coming from our highest level of healthcare now, uh, prescriptions and, and all different types of departments from neurology to chronic pain to cancer to you name it, right? So, um, even, you know, some orthopedic surgery, all kinds of surgeries and people are requesting 
their cannabis license. So the churches they do. They 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 look at it. Uh, I, I just don't know uh, if it's you know fully supported yet. Maybe on the recreational level, or I don't I don't know. I haven't walked into a church yet, but it's something that I might along this journey. It's kind of crossed my path. Uh, there's a big church in Texas that was affiliated with our our Odessa Jackalopes team I played on in the Central Hockey League. And um, I would love to go speak there and share my story. And I think organically I could use my story to help, uh, you know, the, the churches understand that, you know, it is medicine. Look how it's helped me. And it's, I don't know, it's, uh, I think it, it's still not accepted. I can't, I can't put it just, I don't know, we're going to have to re-record that or you're going to have to, no, no, Rob, that's good, man. That was perfect. No, because I think I, I agree. I agree with you completely. I think that. Are we are we recording right now, sir? Oh yeah, we're still recording, man. We're still going, baby. Don't worry. And it's good stuff, Rob. It's good stuff because. Well, I married into a religion that didn't accept cannabis, so that that basically led to to the separation of myself and my wife and my child. Right. Okay. So, so oh, really so I did not know that. Okay. So to look at it like cocaine right so it is so there that is, is actually what you using cannabis is actually what brought on this the the divorce of your marriage yeah right in uh, you know right in, in, in the court i went into uh the children's court for to get my access and that and and uh yeah they wrote that i like to sit in the backyard and, and smoke weed to get high right so you know and yeah, it, 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 there's a lot of religion and people in general that still look at it as not medicine, right? So it, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. But that's I had to. That's that's when separation was needed, and it, 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 I've been separated now uh, since 2013, and I've been able to just uh, live my life with my daughter and explain to her that it is medicine, and she knows and. It's unfortunate, though. I do reflect back, and you know why. I always—that's where I question God, right? And, and wonder why. You know, first my mom's taken from me, and then my wife, because the family and her and the entire—they just—they they, they just yeah, frown upon it, and and it's tough. It's tough, right? No, and that—that that needs. And I'm not trying to center them out. I think things might have got may have got easier over the years, uh, but still, it's. Um, you know, I think that's where people really got to understand it's a separate religion from medicine and it's medicine and it should never uh, be frowned upon. It's not a street drug or weed to get high. It, it, it stops me from throwing up and, and uh, it limits my muscles from contracting because I have a brain injury. What is evil about that, right? So at the end of the day, yeah, there's a lot i would love to speak about that not center them out because i have no hatred in my heart towards them that's mother of my child right uh, i still love her to this day always will right it's uh um but at the end of the day yeah people do have to be a bit <clears throat> softer because it is it is uh medicine and it saved my life so yeah just continue to be a voice and, and share my story at all different levels right and you know what i think that's why i'm here Amen, man. And you said something that caught my ear. And you said, I don't, I, I may mean, not get this exactly right. But you said something like, I don't want any anger in my heart. You said you weren't, you weren't angry at the, at the folks. You weren't angry at them. In other words, oh. you, you, you don't want to harbor any bitterness. 
That's right. So where do you, where, why don't you want to do that? And where do you think that comes from, man? Like that desire to not, the, the knowledge that if you hold on to that stuff, it's like poisoning yourself slowly every day. Yeah. yeah. So like, like, wh- how did you come to that, man? Because that's a place where I think everybody deals with something. And we don't realize sometimes that forgiveness is the way out. And unforgiveness keeps you trapped. So no, I want to ask you how, how you, like, what made you, how do you, when you got to that point where you're like, I got to forgive because if I don't. It came down to my love for kids, right? And every year that I played professional hockey, I went to a, a sports camp and taught, I was a director of hockey for a thousand Jewish kids from upstate New York for seven summers, eight summers, right? It's the love of, uh, of children. And then when you have one of your own and then you see your own daughter, you know, the love of your life, you, you know, a father always wants to have a daughter and obviously a boy and have a perfect American family or Canadian family. But at the end of the day, she loves her mommy, right? And she loves her dad. And I couldn't, I couldn't see or put her in the middle and, and, and her at that age trying to understand. So I made the decision, you know, one day in 2012, just to grab my backpack and leave. But we went through a lot of counseling and things and it, it was just difficult, right? But um, yeah, I, I, you just have to sometimes make the right choice and uh, protecting my daughter along the way and I made the right choice and it's it's good. It's good. It's uh, We did the best we could, right? But maybe things would be easier if views were different then, right? So it just shows, um, you know, uh, every day, uh, you know, we, we as people have to learn to forgive and it's the biggest it's tough sometimes sometimes it takes people years right right sometimes it doesn't happen but at the end of the day i'm not going to pack it in it's just i'm going to continue to do the best i can and hey it's tough enough out here right um trying to uh, trying to get back to work and and you know when you're fighting uh, a lot of depression and and you know it's uh, i i battle high levels of pain that you know is being treated where you know sometimes you feel like not waking up right so at the end of the day yeah i've got a lot to focus on so i I focus on that and uh focus on my daughter and we have an amazing time when we're together and uh, it's great it's she's amazing i'm blessed Um, amen amen Amen. without her imagine i you know i my mom passed away never met my biological father uh right so yeah, Tegan, basically, that's the last connection that I have to my dear mother, right? In ways, so it, it, it's 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 good. It's good to have her. I'm, now, there is a Lord out there, a lot of non-believers, because if there wasn't, uh, I'll tell you, I wouldn't be here, that's for sure, right? And uh, uh, he's kept me going. He's, he's just continued to, yeah, I, I've never looked at, at, at this plant as something evil. I just, I, I, I don't understand how some people think that it grows in our in our ground right it's just yes yeah, it's, it's medicine it's a plant if and, 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 yeah. and this is this is where as a christian and yeah. i i do believe in creationism yeah. and there's there's evidence that points to that just like there's all kinds of evidence for everything but yeah. there is some evidence that points to that uh and because i believe in creationism that means that plant was created by our maker for us to use 
and that's the way I view it too. And it, it is Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, well, man. It's I mean, here from others and just yeah, your view and it's uh, I believe yes, it, uh, I agree fully, one hundred percent. It's not like a human being generated a plant like that and <laughs> no. just created it from no. this no. plant, that plant, and this plant, and that plant. Yeah, nothing like that at all. But we still have to be careful because look at look at the opiate plant, right? The opiates are the strongest painkiller in the world, and they grow naturally too, right? But yeah. at the end of the day, it's when you start over abusing something or, you know, obviously, uh, and, and they get into the pharmaceuticals and then they're on the street, they're cut with this, that. Um, so, you know, plants can be evil too, right? So we do. It's abuse, yeah. You know, I, yeah. And and that and that's that's where that's where is it the abuse or is it the education and no love and support? I think support is the biggest thing out there when you, you're not you, well, right? Obviously, it's that more is, than we know that. That's an excellent point. Somebody to talk to. No. That's an excellent point, Rob. That's an excellent point because you're right. Education helps a lot. Yeah. And if and here's the thing. So like in my late teens, early twenties, that's when I started doing it. Now it was, for me, it was rebellion, right? It, it was like, I'm, I'm rebellious. And this is why what you just said caught me because yeah. I know who I was at that time. And I was not on the right path, but those are the choices I made. Right. And had I been, and, and perhaps I can't say there's a guarantee, but if, if the, if things were different around that plant and around people who, uh, and just around society period, perhaps some people, some other young people and older people, perhaps just people period would not make the same mistakes that lead, that, that lead people to a path of despair and escapism. Life's that fragile. Yeah. It can be, it can be. And, but here's the thing, man, here's the cool thing, right right juxtaposed to that is you on the other side of this who's gone through major pains diseases experiences and you're showing how resilient life can also be yeah. and that's the, that's the that's what's that's just amazing about this life and and i do do believe that we have a maker i don't think any of it's an accident I don't think this cannabis plan is an accident. I don't it's, think it's a mistake that humans and what I just learned from Dr. Marber Mainville last week, even yeah. invertebrates, even invertebrates have an endocannabinoid system. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty uh, telling to me. And yeah. I've tried to link up, you know, I've had a couple I've had a, a retired chaplain and a, a current pastor, practicing pastor on the show, and I've had people of all different kinds of beliefs. And because we we're all here on this earth, we're all supposed to be living together. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, usually when I ask folks from who are affiliated with the church or are Christians, if they want to come on and just talk about it, they usually don't want to. And I think that's the fear of the stigma, right? That's the fear of the stigma. And that's the part that is, that, that is was a great. good question that you asked me, you know. Well, you, you're your story, man. Your story is an amazing illustration. I've of... moved around so much. I've moved from London, Hamilton, Toronto. Like, it's just because of medical care and different things I've been going through, right? So it's been kind of an excuse, but maybe it's something I do need, right? And 
um, get involved, right? And they make for what? What are we talking about? Thinking of getting involved with what? Oh, they well, keep yeah. bringing that up with me, right? It's no, there's some nice you know, ones right down there, you know. It is. It is a funny one, man, because. I'm part of the church, right? We're part of the church. We're part yeah. of the church. We are part of the church. The temple is our holy, is our body. It's no longer a brick and mortar building. Yeah. It's our body. It, it, yeah. we, our bodies are the temple of God because we're made in his image. Yeah. And I definitely believe that God works through people. It's not the only way he can work, but he definitely works through people. Yeah. And this is, this is where when a, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point people to your episode and say, hey, if you don't think this is real medicine, check out this episode and listen to Rob Frid. Yeah. And tell me what you think after that. And that's what's amazing. That's what's amazing about your story, Rob, is that you fought in athletics for a living, an enforcer. I grew up in Michigan, so I'm familiar. I had friends that our high our high school our high school team, our high school had a hockey team. That's how I mean I was kind of like there it was, you know, not a lot of I don't know. This was in the 90s, right? In the early 90s. So I was like, wow, we had a hockey team. So I'm familiar with Canada and and uh, Northern America's love for the hockey. And uh it is Man, your story is gonna, your story helps people, man. It's helping people. It's gonna continue to help people. I am, I am, I'm very happy to have you on, man. And thank you. It's, it's, you know, yeah, I, I never, enjoyed, I, just I, almost, like, you know, I never enjoyed fighting, right? It's something that it scared me, right? It was uh, created a lot of anxiety. Right. Uh, when you're an enforcer and you're looking at the schedule, right? We pretty much knew you know, on each team who, who played the role. And it was, you know, Eric Karens and Eric Bolton, they were two NHL heavyweights and they were in my division in junior, right? So I was fighting those guys. So it was tough. It created, and it carried on into my pro career. And it, it, it can, it, it causes a lot, right? And you don't sleep well. And then over time, it just, yeah, it just, I'm not, not for it. Not at, not at the, I know that fights will break out and the NHL has done a decent job at trying to limit them. They're still happening, but the Canadian hockey league is still allowing fighting at the age of 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, all the way up. It's just, yeah, I don't, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. Not with what we know. So I'm hoping that, you know, <clears throat> people that are listening can continue to educate themselves on, on concussions and traumatic brain injury in our youth in sports and high impact sports, football, um, uh, hockey, uh, soccer, even too, they're, they're having a tough time with females, right? And it could come down to something simple as heading the ball or, or just them colliding. And, and there's a lot of head-to-head contact, I guess, in soccer. I didn't realize that I only played one year when I was a, when I was a kid, right? But uh, soccer can be physical and there are high rates of ALS and other uh, neurological disorders, not just CTE they're finding, right? So yeah. we do need to uh, continue to educate and be a voice for our kids behind us and protect them, right? And yeah, let's continue to be a voice there outside of cannabis as medicine. I think it's just as important, right? Or more, you know? Amen, man. 
and and it, it, your story i don't know man it's just amazing to me i'm like wow i don't know many i mean i know that there. are so I, I went to a uh united uh u.s soccer league game tampa bay rowdies man we went to a game and uh they're good they're like number one in the league and uh i'm looking at a lot of the players and a lot of them look really young, man. And, and that's the way a lot of sports are going. They're, they're starting off kids way early, like very early, getting them used to a very rigorous travel and training schedule from a very early age. And really, if you're doing that, you only do that with one sport. I mean, if you're going to maintain that type of rigor that you can only, you only have so much time in the day because you also have kids going to school and, uh, but that's what I noticed about a lot of sports. It's like, wow, man, the the machines that produce these teams, they're looking for younger and younger kids because they're fresher and fresher. They want to get all the parents are investing, right? right? Their kids are investments. They're that's spending right. a lot of money, right? It's thousands and thousands to sign up for travel hockey here. Like the rep, the high level for the kids here in Toronto, there's there's like eight, eight or nine organizations like like full teams here in Toronto, obviously Toronto, several million people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's their, yeah, the kids are constantly playing. And in the summer, they're specialized training and power skating and just everything, right? Personal trainers and nutritionists, you know, young, like we never had that, right? When we were growing up. So it's, it's, it's different. It and, but there's going to be a lot of burnout too, but they are trying to implement some health, mental health coaches and that too. And some things are, you know, at a young age too, to protect them, right, from not pushing them too hard. So there is, I think it's going to take a long time, though, to find the balance. Maybe sports will be saved, especially high impact. But I think more parents are, aren't signing their kids up than we think, right? So we're, we're seeing numbers that are being down in football and, and hockey and some other sports, right, in certain areas, demographics, right? So, I think, yeah, I think. I that's hit the, the U.S. football. I think that's hit U.S. football because of the concussions that they see players get on the weekends, and and it's serious. It's very serious. Yeah. yeah so yeah. hey, man, that yeah. grow kit. Before we wrap up, that grow yeah. kit you got going on behind you, man. Yeah. You got, you got a website for this thing? No, we're just uh, well, growgear.ca. Uh, it's just uh, just kind of a trial site. We haven't launched anything. Nothing's come to market. We're still uh, testing components from from China, right? So uh, it's going to be maybe a couple months out, but that's where you'll find us is at growgear.ca. So that's uh, good. Growgear, G-R-O-W-G-E-A-R.ca. Yeah, I think it's dot C-A-C. It's, yeah. Let's double check it's, uh, it. <laughs> we're on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Yeah, so we're on Facebook, Instagram, but we we, we haven't come out with the kit yet. So at the end of the day, it's there's nothing there. Just kind of the knowledge. So, you know, we're coming, we're coming. It's, uh, it's good. It's, we got the right people in place and we're going to put this kit together and at the end of the day, save patients money and uh, build myself a kit here. And I, I I can afford the medicine, right? So it it works. It's a model that works. And, and uh, there's a lot of uh, um, provinces and states or U.S. states that are transitioning to allow to grow. Right. And, you can grow your own uh, fruits and vegetables and organic stuff there yeah. in the kits too, right? So it's not just growing cannabis, but um, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to getting into in the new year. 
Right on, Rob. .co, .co, .co. Okay, so it's growgear.co. .co, yeah. Coming in, coming in, what do we want to say, 2022? Beginning of 2022? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, by January, we'll have the first four by four. That's a two by four kit behind me. So that that can grow probably around two to three plants, a four by four, four feet by four feet, can grow four to six comfortably. So here in Canada, it depends on, you know, what you have your license for, for the amount of plants that you can grow. I, I can grow well over 50 to 100 plants if I wanted to, but I'm not going to be doing that kind of extraction. I don't need that much medicine. So at the end of the day, I just do four each couple of months. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's been great so far. Looking forward to continuing, keeping me busy and uh, active too, right? In between hikes and, yeah, just got to keep going. Rob. You're an impressive human being, man. An impressive human being. Thanks. Thanks, brother. I, thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Great conversation. Thank you. And I will be in touch because I want one of those grow kits, man. I can't yeah. do anything. I can't do anything in Florida yet. They're still working on that here in Florida. But still. when they do, I will I will be saving my money with a Rob Fred kit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, look at it's so easy. Like they got the uh, the fertilizers now is all natural. It's three stages, right? That's enough for four grows, right? And it's so easy to ship. Those are all the nutrients. That's all you need. So just add water. That's another company out of California, uh, Dekine, right? So it's just, it's easy to do. And then, you know, there's about 20 or 30 components. There's the LED light. It's a, that one's a 460 watt. That's just one of our test ones that we did. That's another kit there, but uh, it's got the exhaust fans. They go up into the top uh, to eliminate all the smell. You can control the air system right from your phone, right? So if you're having company come over and you don't want any cannabis smell in the house, you can crank up the fan and it goes through the carbon filter and you can't, nobody knows you're growing. So at the end of the day, you find a nice discreet spot and I end up uh, just, yeah, listening to music and, uh, you know, opening it up, watering. And um, I just, I haven't had a, a grow in a few months. I stopped, um, but I'm going to re restart up here soon from the seed process. Right on, man. Right yeah. on. Well, we're going to wrap it up. This is the conversation. Yeah. Oh, you got a beautiful Toronto. view from your, man, that's a beautiful yeah. view. There's Toronto for you. That's right downtown, downtown Toronto. Toronto. Check Toronto. you out, man. Yeah. What's That's that? Beautiful. You got yeah. a beautiful view, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the water's behind us about 10 minutes, Lake Ontario. So I usually take Charlie and uh yeah, we go for a hike there. He's he's resting up right now. I'm usually out uh about seven or eight times throughout the day. So yeah, Labradoodle keeps keeps us keeps me going. And my daughter, <laughs> good for all of us, yeah. Right on. Well, man, I know I know sitting for you is difficult yeah, for us. Definitely. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up because I know you and you need to get yeah. around and move around. That's Thank right, you. baby. My name is Miguel Torres. I'm your host. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity Podcast. Our special guest, Robert Frid, Athletes for Care, retired Canadian hockey league professional, surviving with the love of the Lord and can't plant medicine through cannabis. Thank you, Rob, for your time. We'll see One you next time. Day. Love you all. All praise and glory goes to the big man upstairs. Amen. Amen.